Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see that you came back after last Sunday. That was great. That's always an encouraging word. I don't know whether your mind works the way my mind does. Pity if it does. Nicole said about if you need to go to the toilet, so just out the back there. I was just thinking, I don't know whether I'd get up and walk out there. Everybody would notice what you're doing. It's like on the te- plane. You ever get to Jetstar plane and see somebody stand up and think, I know where you're going. <laughs> don't you ever feel that? No, okay, you don't. Okay, that's fine. Last week, we began a series looking at the challenges and the attractions of doing life together as a church. Today we look at the next part in that series. Last week we talked about welcoming. Today we're going to look at something altogether different. But let's pray first of all. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. We thank you for its uh, instruction on how to live life to the fullest and to enjoy life, but to also enjoy you as well. We pray that your Holy Spirit, who inspired your word, would now bring it alive to us and teach us what it means to be your community of followers of Jesus. We pray that as we leave here this morning, that we would do things differently to the way we came. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. After a very long and boring sermon, the parishioners filed out of the church, uh, saying nothing to the preacher. And towards the end of the line was a thoughtful person who always commented on the sermons. Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and love of God. And the pastor was thrilled. No one had ever said anything like that about his preaching ever in his life. And he said, tell me why. Well, said the parishioner, it reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all understanding. (laughs) And it reminded me of the love of God because it endured forever. You know, we laugh because we've often been a part of those sort of sermons. Um, But taking on any form of ministry in the church can be uh, tough at times and a real step of faith outside of our comfort zones. And at times we really do need a word of encouragement. And living in today's world the way it is and being bombarded with constant negativity and uh, news reports and social media comments and conversations with others that tend to be always put-downs and negative and so on, uh, don't we often long to hear something positive, something encouraging? On a personal level, our lives and the challenges and the uncertainty and the curveballs that we face and the personal issues each of us are wrestling with that we sometimes hide from other people. Sometimes don't we long secretly for a word of encouragement from someone that will just help us to hang in there and keep going? And following Jesus in our world that seems to be increasingly out of step with what we believe and the values that we hold closely in following Jesus, um, it can be incredibly difficult. And again, don't we need a word of encouragement to keep going? It's been said that encouragement is one of the greatest needs of our day. And George Adams says, there are high spots in all of our lives and most of them have come about through encouragement from someone else. He says, I don't care how great and famous and successful a person may be, each person hungers for encouragement. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. And Denny Oni, which I've never heard of before, probably an Italian wine dresser, um, says, there is nothing as refreshing as an encouraging word or deed. It's like a fresh drink of water on a hot day. In fact, I believe encouragement is the greatest need of our day. 
And, said, and Brian Hathaway says, not only do we as individuals need encouragement, but we as church communities need it as well. For encouragement empowers our community life. It builds up people in their faith. It strengthens us to live out our Christian faith. It brings refreshment and unity. And finally, it's a great attraction to many people who are un- yet, not yet churched, but come and visit amongst us. So encouragement is one of the greatest needs of our day. But what do we mean by the word encouragement? Well, on the screen behind me, coming up, encouragement means to come alongside another person. It means to comfort, to console, to reassure. It means to lovingly caution and correct at times. Yes, even warning people and correcting people and cautioning people can be a form of encouragement and care. It's also to lift another person's spirit another person's heart when they're feeling down. It's to challenge, to inspire, to infuse, and to put courage into another person. When you hear that definition, I wonder, uh, if you were sharing, who's been an encourager in your life? And how did they encourage you? And have you ever thanked them for their encouragement? Let me tell you a couple of stories about people who uh, weren't quite good on encouragement. There was a pastor who was leaving his area and was saying farewell to his congregation at the church doors for the last time. And he shook the hand of an elderly lady as she walked out. And she said, your successor won't be as good as you. Nonsense, said the pastor, feeling really encouraged and flattered and his chest starting to beam out. No, really, she said, he won't be as good as you. I've been here under five different ministers and each new one has been worse than the last. I remember um, in a church in the country where we were uh, up in Tamworth, and uh, I remember a lady coming to me after the church, before the service, I think it was, and she said, um, I don't encourage you because you get your encouragement from God. And I thought to myself, and, rather, um, and I said kindly to her, well, sometimes God encourages through other people, with God with skin on. That's what I said to her. Underneath the surface, I was thinking, I hope somebody helps you with your flat tyres after the service. (laughs) But I didn't say that because that was just the human part of me. Do you ever ever feel that way about people? It's just me that goes, oh, good, there's a few of us who really need to spend some time in confession. When it comes to encouragement, one of the encouraging things is that God is big on encouragement. God often gets bad press as somebody who's a, in a sour grapes, who wants to pounce on everything we do wrong, who wants to steal our joy, who wants to point out things that are wrong with us and so on. God gets bad press. But when you look at the Bible and you look at the experience of absolutely millions over the years, we find God is a God of encouragement. He's big on encouragement. Father God is such a good and faithful encourager. Romans 15 verse 5 says, He is the God who gives endurance and encouragement, says Paul. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says again, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Comforts and encourages. Not only is Father God an encouragement, but Jesus is an encourager as well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, We pray that through our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father will encourage you and help you do what is the right thing. And if you look at Jesus' life, his life was, and ministry was sprinkled with encouragement right throughout. He was in his teaching and his compassion, in his miracles, in his conversations with people. Look at Zacchaeus. Look at Peter. 
Look at the marginalised he mixed with. Look at the woman caught in adultery. Over and over again, encouragement pours out from the heart of Jesus. Not only back in the New Testament time, but today as well for you and me. So the Father is an encourager. The Son is an encourager. The Spirit is an encourager as well. When uh, in John's Gospel, John talked about talked about Jesus saying the Holy Spirit will be sent to us, he actually called him the parakletos, which is a noun form of encouragement. He's an encourager. How do I know that? Because I read it. I don't remember my Greek. But it's, it's saying that when the Spirit comes, he will come to encourage you in your walk with God. And the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, we're told in 1 Corinthians 4, are for our strengthening, our encouraging, and for our comforting God's people. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are encouragers. And then as we turn to the scriptures, to our instruction manual for life, again, they're given not to rob us of joy, not to make our life miserable, not to make life tough, but are given for our encouragement. Romans 15, the scriptures were written to teach and encourage us by giving us hope. And of course, that famous passage, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, and so on. So I want to encourage you that God is into encouraging. It's big on his agenda. He's an encourager. And maybe today you need encouragement in some area of your life. Despite the, the fact that you put on a smiley face when you came through the door, you know as you drove here you're feeling down or depressed or struggling in, in a relationship or whatever it may be. And you need encouragement. Well, I want to tell you that God is here and God is a God of encouragement. And he wants to encourage you this morning as you go home as well. How good is that? That God is a God of encouragement. But not only is he the God of encouragement, he places great premium on encouragement as a feature of our lives as his children, as his followers, but also on our church life. There is a call for us to be encouragers like him. Encouragers of one another, encouragers of those who come and visit us or perhaps join us. And although some of us have a spiritual gift of encouragement, and Romans 12 talks about that, I want to say to it, it's the ministry of all of us. You can't sit there and say, it's not my gift, I'm not there to encourage. It's a ministry that we all have to one another. Let me read you a couple of verses, just the first 55. Um, no, no, just, just three. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact you are doing. Hebrews 3.13 says... But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Jesus' return approaching. In uh, 1956, 67 years ago, there was a freak accident on a lake in New York and a speeding motorboat bounced on a wave and shot into the water two of its passengers, a 50-year-old man and a little girl. And to keep her from drowning, the man held her head above the water while the boat circled back. They rescued the girl, but the man sank and drowned. And that's how Dawson Trotman died, who was the founder of the Navigators, an international discipleship ministry. And according to a quote in Time magazine, it said he lived to save others. His death was just the way he would have planned it. And somewhere in his obituary, it read, Dawson Trotman, 
always lifting someone up. Do you know that's our ministry too? We're meant to be people who constantly lift others up and encourage others around us. This is God's calling on your life and mine. We are to be a welcoming community. We are to be a, a bunch of people who constantly encourage others. We are to be a community that when people come in here, they feel their spirits lifted and encouraged. I remember Philip Yancey telling a story um, of coming across a prostitute who was into drugs and so on and, and, uh, and couldn't look after a child and so on. And, and at one point in the conversation, he said that he... Um, asked her about why don't you come to church and see if you can find help there and she exploded and said why would I come to church I already feel bad about enough about myself they'll just make me feel worse now what an indictment on many churches not this church but of course every other church in the area um, <laughs> but um, what an indictment on the church we're meant to be a, a melba of encouragers but sometimes people find us the very opposite well, how do I become an encourager? I'm glad you asked that because that's the next part of my message. How to become an encourager. It, it begins, first of all, with an attitude shift. It's shifting away from being a consumer in relationships. It's all about me. Ask me questions. I'll tell you all about myself, but I won't respond. To being a contributor in relationships. To, in conversations and relationships, looking for opportunities to give, actively give, and intentionally encourage other people. Is that us? It may mean, in order to become an encourager, we need the, the Spirit of God just to show us anything that is in us that's blocking us from being an encourager of others and then asking him to set us free. It certainly involves asking the Lord for his heart, for his eyes, his ears, to see people as he sees them through our day, for help to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings to encourage other people and how best to do that. So it begins with an attitude shift. I want to tell you about a guy who, who was a great encouragement role model in the Bible, aside from Jesus. Um, uh, he shows us how to encourage, and I, I encourage you to go to particularly the book of Acts and have a look at him in de greater detail. In the New Testament, there's a man, a native man of Cyprus, whose given name is Joseph. And we're told in Acts chapter 11, he was a good man, full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. And the apostles give Joseph the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because he was always out there encouraging people. It was just part of the way he did life. And Barnabas is an unsung hero of the New Testament church. Do you know he's actually mentioned 25 times in Acts and five times in epistles? You really do need to go home and find those verses and count them up just to make sure I'm not telling the truth, a lie. So what can we learn about encouraging from Barnabas? Well, first of all, from Barnabas, an encourager looks for opportunities to act and do something practical with others' needs. In Acts chapter 4, the early Jerusalem church had many poor people, and some of them were widows, some of them were working men who couldn't find a job because they'd actually confessed to following Christ. Others were pilgrims from the nations who were converted at Pentecost, and stayed there for fellowship and teaching. So the local church, or new church there, had to help the poor people. Barnabas becomes aware of their physical and material needs, and he swings into action to help and encouragement. And in Acts chapter 4, we're told that Barnabas responds by generously selling his property he owned in Cyprus and giving the proceeds to the apostles to be used for the poor. 
Do you think the apostles and the, uh, the, the poorer members of the church were encouraged by Barnabas' actions? You can bet they were. And we can encourage one another by being tuned in and aware of each other's physical and material needs. And as the Spirit leads, acting and doing something practical to help out. Sharing our resources, offering help, fronting up physically to assist with a job or repairs or projects or whatever it may be, but becoming aware of each other's physical and material needs and doing something about it. I remember years ago when we went to college, we left Sydney to come down to, to Ridley College in Melbourne, and we sold our house, which God told us would only be there for a short period of time because it was going to be used for something else, and we, we were using the money to actually go through college. It would never have made the way, whole way through as I look back now, but one of the members of our church, a friend of ours, actually saw our need, and he and his wife offered to pay half our rent for the three years that we are in college which was a tremendous encouragement uh, to, to us. I'm not too sure it was to ensure that we don't come back or what it was, but he, he, um, he offered to pay rent and it meant it was incredible encouragement to hang in there and do our best. I remember years ago in the country, in a small town, we were about to move to a bigger town, Tamworth, and uh, we realised that where we would be positioned, our one car wouldn't be enough for the two of us. And there was somebody in our church in a little town called Warrialda who was selling a, uh, their, their old Datsun 1200. And I asked them, could we buy it off them? And they, they said, look, we'll pray about it. I thought, Dre, can't be much. Anyway, they came back a few days' time and said, look, I'm sorry, we can't sell it to you. And I thought, oh, that's okay. But we felt God say we want to give it to you. I'm going, oh, wow. And I, was I encouraged? Of course I was. It was incredible. And that little de- Datsun uh, survived for years. It was a great asset in Tamworth. Um, it, it, we taught the kids to drive in it. Or let me just say a little something rather interesting about it. When we um, drove the kids to school, it was a rather embarrassment because it was old and green and so on. And it's funny, about 500 metres from the school every day, the kids would bend down under the dashboard to do their shoelaces up <laughs> every day. Uh, but when they got to the stage, they got their licence and we gave them the car. They're driving away, prowling up the church. That Datsun, we were actually able to give away to somebody else that was in need in a, in a church there as well. And it was a blessing to them as well. So becoming aware of one another's physical and material needs and seeing what we can do practically about it. Romans 12 says, share with God's people who are in need. Hebrews 13, do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And one of my favourite verses, 1 John 3, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity of them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let's not just love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. So Barnabas teaches us, when we see a physical or material need, act on it. Don't set up a committee to explore it, <laughs> but act on it. Do something about it. The second thing you'll notice about, uh, from Barnabas is an encouragement, oh, sorry, and I'm sure Barnabas is part of this, that um, there are lots of other ways that you can encourage people as well. You can use our ears. Listen, when it comes... To, to conversations, listen intently to the person who's speaking. It's a great encouragement when you know that somebody's actually really listening without interrupting, without uh, correcting, without turning the focus back to themselves. Listen with your ears intently. Um, give the other person your full attention. 
Listen and pick up what they're not only what they're saying, but between the lines, any needs or feelings they may have. Reflecting back to them, so what you're saying is that you feel this, such and such. That's a great encouragement when people give their ears to one another to listen. <laughs> it doesn't always work. There was a golden anniversary party that was thrown for an elderly couple, and the husband was moved by the occasion and wanted to encourage his wife just how he felt about it. She was very hard of hearing and often misunderstood what he said. And with many family members and friends gathered, he toasted her. <clears throat> he said, my dear wife, after 50 years, I've found you tried and true. And everyone smiled approval. But his wife said, "Hey," And he repeated it louder. After 50 years, I've found you tried and true. And his wife huffed <laughs> and shot back. Well, let me tell you something. After 50 years, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> Listen intently. <laughs> Listen closely. We can use not only our ears, but our eyes. When you're in uh, conversations, when you're talking to people, keep your eyes open. There's nothing worse when you're talking to somebody and they're nodding off. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes focused on the other person's eyes. Maintaining eye contact. Showing an interest. And seeing in their eyes what they're really feeling. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. Use your eyes as well. We can encourage one another with our words. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Use your words to encourage one another. Encourage by praising and affirming each other. You do that really well. I appreciate, appreciate the way you. You have a really gift in Encouraged by thanking. Thanks for the way you, what you said really helped me. Thanks for, encourage one another by asking generally about another person. How are you, really? If you're okay with this, tell me about your situation. That must be really difficult. Encouraged by apologizing. Have I done something to offend you? I was wrong and I'm really sorry. Encouraged by communicating love and acceptance. I'm really encouraged by the way you, you are really growing. We love you. We really missed you when you were away. Encouraged by sharing uh, similar experiences to the person that you're talking to. I think I understand something of what you're going through. I've struggled with. Encourage the other person by offering to help. What can I do to help? I'd be glad to. Can I pray for you about this? Encourage the other person by lovingly cautioning and uh, correcting them. Hey, can I just encourage you and, and lovingly caution you about such and such? I know how you're feeling, but encourage the other person by sharing something the Lord may give you for them. Can I share a Bible verse or a picture or a, uh, a word I, I sense the Lord wants me to give to you to encourage you? Encourage the other person by enthusing them and giving them hope and confidence. Hey, God's big enough to handle that. Hey, remember the Lord's promises. Hey, you have in him all you need to cope with this. You are gifted to be able to handle this. Encourage others by verbally contacting them when they've been absent or struggling. Encouraging others by offering your time and hospitality. Would you like to come around for a meal? Or maybe we can catch up for coffee. Encouraging others by making it a regular practice, maybe once a month, just to send an email of encouragement to one person. 
just to encourage them for the, in their life. We can be encouraging by doing something practical to help one another in material and physical needs. We can use our ears, our eyes, and our words. Let me just close and share with you two very quick things that Barnabas also did. If you check out Acts chapter 9, when Paul was converted, Barnabas took him under his wings because the rest of the church didn't trust him. And Barnabas shows us that encouragers welcome others with dark pasts. They see the good and potential in them. They stand alongside them and support them, even though others may be wary and shy away from including them. And look where it ended up with Apostle Paul and how God used him. Like Michelangelo, who took a piece of marble that everyone else thought was trash and junk and wouldn't have a part of. And he saw the figure of David within that marvel and carved it out as encouragers we're to see the good and potential in one another and call it out as well. Barnabas also shows us another time that encouragement looks beyond past mistakes and failings and gives others a second chance. John Mark at one stage deserted Paul on one of his missionary journeys. When it came to another missionary journey, Paul said, uh, uh, I won't have a bar of you. And Barnabas stood up for him to the point of actually going a separate way and taking John Mark with him. And he gave him a second chance, much to Paul's uh, dislike. And interesting, at the end of that, by standing up and giving him a second chance, at the, Towards the end of Paul's ministry, he was so thankful for John Mark. And John Mark went on to become an associate of the Apostle Peter and wrote the Gospel of Mark. Amazing what you can do when you give people a second chance. And finally, Barnabas shows us in Acts chapter 11, an encourager nurtures others in their faith journey with Jesus. We are to encourage one another in our walk with God. We can encourage one another by sharing God's word and promises connected to the other person's circumstances. We can encourage one another by exercising spiritual gifts with one another. We can encourage one another by sharing a word, a picture, a verse that God gives us. We can encourage one another by praying over each other. We can encourage one another by sharing personal testimonies and stories of how God has been working in our lives that will encourage the other person to expect the same things in their life. We can encourage one another, most of all, by living our life in such a way that it enthuses and encourages others. The Apostle Paul said, join others in following my example. We're to live our lives in such a passionate relationship with Jesus, so full on fire with him, so wholehearted that it actually enthuses others. Don't you come sometimes come across Christians who are like that? Eh, not too many, but when you do come across them, don't, aren't you, isn't it infectious? Don't you think, I feel really encouraged by being around this person and there's something about their life that I want in my life as well. So we learn to encourage one another. Let me close and say, Bruce Larson, you may have heard this in his book Wind and Fire, points out some interesting facts about geese and sandhill cranes. He says, these large birds which fly great distances across continents in a V formation have three remarkable qualities. First, they rotate leadership. No one bird stays at the front all the time. Secondly, they choose leaders who can handle the turbulence. And thirdly, 
All during the time one bird is flying out and leading, the rest are honking behind their affirmation and encouragement. You are meant to be a honker. <laughs> so if you go home today and somebody says, what did you learn at church this morning? I'm a honker. <laughs> we are meant to be honkers. We are meant to be behind one another, encouraging and honking words of affirmation and encouragement to one another on their journey. Chuck Sindel said, I know no one or no community more needed, more valuable, more Christ-like than individuals or communities who are committed to the ministry of encouraging others. Somebody also had said, reach down and lift others up. It's the best exercise you'll get all day. But above all, let me encourage you not to be a goose or a geese, but let me encourage you to honk affirmation and encouragement to one another. We're to be a welcoming community, but we're to be a bunch of encouragers that encourage each other. Amen.